Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel with me as always on this preview show ahead of Oregon versus Oregon State. Eric, I almost did it. I almost called this game. <laughs> Don't do a, it, Matt. Hey, hey. The, uh, Civil War. And <laughs> we really need to come up with some kind of name because we can't call it the Civil War anymore. Um it needs something. I don't like the, like the, what is it? The, the platypus or whatever. Platypus that. cup or something. Yeah. Is, that, is Oregon versus Oregon state football game not sexy enough for you? <laughs> no, it does not fix uh, any kind of aesthetics of this game that we would want. Um, Oregon takes on the Oregon state Beavers in Corvallis four thirty kick game will be airing. On ESPN, Dave Fe- Dave Fleming, Rod Gilmore, Shelly Smith for ESPN are on the call. Jerry Allen, Mike Jorgensen, Joy McMurray, Terry Johns on the radio side. And before we break down this game, before we get you ready for this football game, hey, we want to wish you guys all thank- a happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully things uh, are going well for you. Uh, and second of all, if you want to save some money, if you want to give a great gift to a family member or maybe to yourself, Consider this uh, promotion right now uh, an, uh, an opportunity to save a bunch of money. 75% off an annual VIP membership, $26.85 one-time payment. You get a membership to DuckTerritory.com for the entire next 12 months. So huge savings. Take Make, make sure you take advantage of this before it goes away because it goes away at the end of the month. December 1st is when it's gone. Uh, you want to make sure you save... off your annual membership to DuckTerritory.com. You get all the football season recruiting, basketball, women's basketball, softball, spring football, and basically all of next year for football as well in 2021, a team for Oregon that looks like they could be loaded again. Um, Eric, going into this game, civil uh, I almost did it. I almost did it. Almost did it. Oregon, Oregon State, uh, confidence level. Like – I think four weeks ago, five weeks ago, six weeks ago, we maybe even three weeks ago, two weeks ago, we looked at this game and we said, oh, Oregon should roll by three touchdowns. They should be fine. There's really no sense of fear in the Oregon State Beavers. And yes, they are one and two coming into Friday's game. But I don't think Oregon has looked even closely, uh, remotely as close as, as, as we thought they would to being as dominant as we expected them to be. No, hundred percent, Matt. And I, I think we're on the same page here of like, and I, and I, I did my prediction story. I do that every Monday. I, you know, if you're not a subscriber, we are running a 75% off annual subscription that allows you to read my prediction story every Monday, which is a VIP content piece for those that are subscribers. They probably have seen it now. Um, but I predicted one of my predictions was this is going to be a closer game from a scoreboard perspective than it was a year ago. I remember last year's game was 24 to 10 Oregon, 
it was a one score game late in the fourth quarter. And then of course there's the uh, cyber city Belichio touchdown, the fumble recovery on a Jamar Jefferson uh, fumble late in the game there to kind of make it look like it's a little bit less competitive than, but it was really a really close game. I think this year's game is going to be, I think it's going to be about the same game. I think it's going to be very competitive. I think Oregon state has taken its game to a different level each of the last couple of years. I mean, think about what it was three years ago, Oregon yeah. wins 69 to 10. <laughs> they win 55 to 15 the next year in, in a game where CJ Verdell and Travis died combined for like six rushing touchdowns and like almost 400 total yards of offense. Like, Oregon just completely had pounded them for a couple of years. Oregon State has improved under Jonathan Smith. I think – I know Oregon fans, of course, don't want to root for Oregon State. They probably don't want to give Oregon State a whole lot of credit. Jonathan Smith is a good coach, and he is, I think, the right coach to get that program turned around. I know they're still one and two this year, but they've been pretty darn impressive in their games, in my opinion. I mean, they're not, they're not as good as Oregon. I won't say that. I think Oregon will win this game, but I think this is going to be a close game and a competitive game, and, and really I think I would be – singing a different song right now had Oregon gone out against UCLA and did what we thought they would do and won that game by three touchdowns and took care of business and looked impressive doing it. Instead, it was a game that they had to sweat in the final seconds of regulation. You know, UCLA had a chance there with just over 20 seconds left to come down and possibly kick a game time field goal to force overtime, or maybe even win in regulation with a touchdown. Um, this has not been an impressive Oregon team thus far. I'm hopeful that this is the game where they turn it around, but I'm certainly not sitting here feeling super confident that Oregon's just going to throttle the Beavers because Oregon State has been competitive in its two losses. Close game against Washington State, probably should have beat Washington, um, and they go out and beat Cal. You look at this game, and we all know so much pressure is going to be put on Jamar Jefferson, Oregon State's star running back, um, to, to kind of carry this Beaver team in this game. Uh, he's the first Oregon State player to run for 100 or more yards in each of the Beavers' first three games since Steven Jackson did it back in 2003. Uh, Jefferson has 449 yards in his first three compared to Jackson's 423. So we should mind you, Jefferson's doing this against tougher competition than than Steven Jackson did. You know, typically in 2000, in, in, in a normal year, your first three games are are winnable games if you're a Power Five conference team. Um, Jackson did it against Sacramento State, Fresno State, and New Mexico State. And Jamar Jefferson's done it against Washington State at Washington and then Cal. Two of, you know, Washington Cal are being, you know, two of the better defenses in the league the last few seasons. Pretty impressive there. He's fourth nationally and second in the Pac 12 and averaging 149.7 rushing yards per game. His 449 total yardage on the ground leads the Pac 12. Um, and this is going to put a ton of attention on Tristan Jibia, the junior quarterback for OSU, because I think you and I have said this a ton of times that Oregon's going to load the box. We expect them to really try and shut down Jamar Jefferson. And if we remember correctly here, Tristan Jibia, Oregon was the first team he he started he started a game against. It was last yep. season in the game that was formerly known as the Civil War uh, <laughs> yeah. in Eugene. He, he completed he through 243 yards passing. I, I think he had uh, one touchdown in that game against Oregon. Um, and it was a little bit of a changeup in terms of what Oregon was expecting and what they saw. Jake Luton obviously was a different quarterback. And I look at this and Eric, if it's me and I'm Oregon, it, I, I really throw my hat into the corner of, okay, we are going to, dare players like 
Champ Fleming's the 5'5 junior receiver for the Beavers, um, who's 141 pounds, or Trayvon Bradford from Oregon City, uh, the six-foot senior, or Colby Taylor, a 5'11 receiver. Um, you look at their two in-state tight ends, Tegan Quintanillo and Luke Musgrave, and, and you look at that group and say, we think those guys matched up against our skill set receiver or, or, or our cornerbacks, our safeties, if you're Oregon, and you say, we, we think we're better than you in that, in that regard. Load up on the box and, and, and make Tristan Jibbiot knock you down, and we'll see what happens there. All right, let's, let's move real quick to the injury side. Um, we expect Oregon State to be relatively healthy for this game um, unless there's a COVID situation that pops up between now and the start of the game. Um, from an Oregon perspective, it's a little bit different, and there's some good, and there's probably some bad news as well mixed in here. Yeah, I think the good and the – I mean, we mentioned it on Wednesday's mailbag is – I don't think you can count out Noah Sewell from playing in this game. Um, again, we haven't spoken with – weird week because of Thanksgiving. The only time we got to speak with Cristobal was, was Monday. Usually we get a second opportunity on Wednesday. That didn't happen this week. So we're basing this off of what he said on Monday. But you said Noah looks good. He practiced today. He looks good to – normal to me. Um, so I, I know I don't think that's entire clarity he's going to play or not, but certainly feels like it's a possibility. The other player he – kind of mentioned by name was Cam McCormick. And, and he, he in, I think to intimate that McCormick, who we should note warmed up before the UCLA game um, was fully dressed in pads and it looked like he might be able to give it a go. Did not play in that game, but it kind of sounds like based upon Cristobal's comments that we'll finally, after two and a, two plus years. And I guess if we want to say this is halfway through the season, two and a half seasons of football with being out that maybe, maybe we're going to see the bent native play in this, in this Oregon State-Oregon rivalry game on Saturday, or sorry, Friday, uh, Cristobal's comments on Monday, Cam McCormick is getting healthy, and he's getting really, really close and took some full reps this week, so we feel like our tight end group is going to be back, and we feel it's one of the best around. Um, I think probably a decent chance we see Cam out there. The other part that was sort of interesting is, and we're trying to figure this out here, is I asked the question just of what the injury report was, and Cristobal said that everybody who was out last week kind of expects that to be the same this week. So, uh, you know, Micah Pittman, Steve Stevens, Daywood Davis, they missed the Washington State game. They missed the UCLA game. I think it's possible we don't see any of those players against Oregon State, right? And I think we have to realize here is if it's the 14-day window from contact tracing, um, Friday's game is like, what, day 13? That's not the 14-day window. And so it's possible, maybe even likely – that we don't see any of those players available. And again, for Micah, gosh, I feel terrible for him. I mean, you think about the injuries he suffered last year that cost him time to come back, to get to this season, to have that incredible catch in the first game and everybody would be raving about his fall camp. The possibility that, gosh, is it is it likely that we're maybe we're not going to see him for, again, about half of this season because of something COVID-related? Um, Dante Manning, another player, a five-star um, Cristobal said he was close to returning to action earlier this week. Um, and then Justin Flo, I think, again, the other five-star freshman. It's kind of a bummer that all three of the five-star freshmen are, are, hurt. On the, are hurt right now. But um, we know, yeah, well, Cristobal, while, while Cristobal won't say he's out for the season, I, I take what Justin said himself on social media and one of his coaches said 
on social media at face value, and that is that he has a torn meniscus and will miss the rest of the season. Obviously, that was not something that Mario really wanted out there, but I think you can pretty much clear him from uh, from playing this week and I think probably the rest of the season, unfortunately. Yeah, the Pittman and Steve Stevens and Daywood Davis one is a sneaky one because it's one of those deals in which you were like, everyone was really expecting him to be available, those guys to be available because yeah. it's it's two it's been two weeks since Washington State. Uh, they should be in. Like here we go. Um, but it, games played on a Friday. It's kind of one of those weird deals in which maybe the fact that this game is played one week, one day earlier maybe could have prevented them from playing. We don't really know. We're speculating a little bit there, but nonetheless, um, getting Sewell potentially back, I expect him to play. Uh, it is going to be a big deal for this Oregon defense because, like we've said on the show, um, like we've said with Angie uh, Machado, Beer Blitz yesterday, that this was this is a game in which you need your best players to stop um, Oregon State's rushing attack because, quite honestly, like I know the staff is extremely high on. Um, C.J. Verdell, I know the staff loves Travis Dye and Cyrus Abilakio and their entire running back room, but I, I think it's obvious that Jamar Jefferson is the best overall back right now in the conference. Doesn't mean someone else could, could be better, but I, I think it's one of those deals in which, hey, this is a dude. He's an NFL player. He, he's playing behind a, a, a offensive line that gets the job done, but maybe isn't the most talented unit isn't even close, and yet he still dominates. Um, they, Oregon needs all hands on deck to win this game. Um, I, I think that's obvious. And we'll go into our keys to the game. We'll make some offensive, defensive predictions, and then our final prediction for the game uh, later today. But or later on the show, let's take a quick break, though. When we come back, we'll, we'll continue previewing uh, this Oregon versus Oregon State football game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back to the podcast. I'm at Premier Eric Scopel with me as always. And Eric, I'll, I'll lead things off here with some predictions. Offensively, I think for the third straight game, we're going to see Tyler Shuck go for over 300 yards passing. Um, I think he's going to hit 400 total yards in this football game. When you add in his rushing, and I think we're going to see five touchdowns on the through the air f- from Tyler Shuck. Wow, that is 
you know, and I don't totally disagree with you on that. I, I think I'm predicting I'm not gonna I'm not gonna predict anything for Tyler. I think he's capable of having a big day. And if he does, certainly the prediction I made earlier in the show, this is gonna be a or, or the you know, that I said earlier in the show this is gonna be a close game is, is probably a little different. But I, I think the running backs are gonna have a bigger day here, certainly than they did last week. Um, you look at what went down the last couple of years on the ground. And then you also look and see what Oregon state has done this year. They are 10th in the conference in rushing defense. They have allowed 207 yards per game on the ground. You know, you look at some of the offenses they face, they face Washington state. That's not primarily a running offense. And we Oregon fans saw firsthand. That's a little different at the run and shoot. Deion McIntosh is super talented, but that's not a offense that is grounded pound, right? You look at Washington, that's certainly going to be an offense that has some skill players that can make some things happen, but I don't think they're as good as Oregon. And I say that I feel the same way about California, even though I think Christopher Brown, the running back is, is pretty darn good. So I think Oregon's going to have some success on the ground running. I think they're going to once again, surpass the 200 yard mark on the ground. And, and I think that's to me is, is a, we'll make this kind of a combination key and prediction here of Oregon needs to hit the 200 yard rushing mark here. I think to really, solidify themselves in a dominant victory. If, if they don't and they struggle to run the ball, I think this is going to be a very close game. I, I don't know if I think the offense can. I respect Tyler Shuck. I think he's really impressive early on, but that's a lot to ask of him to just carry the team here another week. I mean, last week against UCLA, there was almost no running game. He contributed almost half of the rushing yards. Um, if you take away the sacks, it would have certainly been there. Um, so I think the running game takes another step. I think we see a, a bounce back game from both C.J. Verdell in particular, but also Travis Dye. Defensively, I think Oregon's going to give up a lot of yards on the ground. And this is one in which I think it's going to be um, Jamar Jefferson's going to do a ton of work for Oregon State. Uh, he's going to be their most effective player. But I will say this. Uh, I think Oregon's defense for the second straight game is going to force three turnovers. Could be interceptions from Tristan Jibia. Could be some fumbles. But I think we're going to see a bend but don't break style defense from Oregon in which they're going to give up a ton of yardage. But once Oregon State gets into that red zone, they're either going to turn the football over uh, or Oregon's going to turn you know potential touchdown drives into field goals. And that's going to ultimately be what separates th these two teams. All right. This one here is pretty modest from a prediction perspective. But – Similar to last week, and last week I predicted Oregon to face would force one turnover. They forced four. I'm predicting Kayvon Thibodeau, who has no sacks so far on the season, which, by the way, is kind of mind-blowing. I think he is going to have his first sack of the game, and I hope by making it a modest prediction of just one. Early, <laughs> in, early in the year, I predicted he'd have two in the first two games of the season. Didn't come through with any. I'm hoping he does end up having a bigger day than that, but my official prediction is he has one. I'm kind of thinking it's possible he has more than that. And I think if he does get to the quarterback more than once, that's a good sign for Oregon in general because that means Tristan Jebbia is probably dropping back to pass more frequently, which probably means that Oregon State is behind in this game. And I think, I mean, really here, you know, and here's no, again, I'll turn this into a key to the game as well. If Oregon can get an early lead and make it a two-score game early on or something like that, I think that puts a ton of pressure on Tristan Jebbia. And I have not seen anything that leads to me to believe he is ready for that. And if Oregon forces this to be a game where Jebbia has to throw the football and you can, and you have to get away from Jamar Jefferson in the running game, that's the recipe for Oregon to win handily. 
this game gets a little bit more scary if, in theory, Jamar Jefferson and Oregon State's run game kind of gets some momentum early. They stay with Oregon. Maybe they even take a lead, and Oregon has to come from behind or play in a tight game. I think Oregon really wants to get out fast this week. They are able to do that. Maybe that can lead to Kayvon Thibodeau getting some sacks when Tristan Jebbia, who hasn't had to throw the ball very much the last two weeks, has just combined 44 pass attempts in two games. If he has to throw it quite a bit, I think that's a benefit for Oregon all around. All right. You gave us one key to the game already in that one, along with your prediction. Um, A, applause for the efficiency there. Um, Give us another key to the game. Well, I'll stick with what I said earlier about the rushing uh, prediction with CJ and Travis. I I think it's really imperative. And so, I mean, like, this isn't complicated stuff here, but I think it's really important that Oregon makes Oregon State throw the football. And I think it's really important that Oregon establishes the running game when they're on offense. I mean, I think those, I mean, I know that's really simple, but we've seen now and over the course of the season, when Oregon has been most successful, it's been when they've run the ball really well in the second half and just kind of worn the other team out. And when they haven't been is when they've had to rely a little bit more on the passing game. And I'm not taking anything away from Tyler Shuck because I think he's been great. But I, I really think they need to establish the run game. They need to have some success. You need to see C.J. Verdell be the C.J. Verdell he was. You know, he is very hit and miss in his career. <laughs> like, you go and look at his stats. Um, every year it's like, hey, he ran for 100 yards this game. And the next game he runs for 42. Hey, he ran for 180 yards this game. Now he ran for 65. They need a 100-plus yard game from C.J. Verdell. I think it's key that he and Travis both have a big game. Um, and in doing so, again, I think that changes the complexion that allows Oregon to play a little bit more ball control and minimize the number of opportunities that Jamar Dipperson and that Oregon State offense has to do some damage. Okay, score predictions. Um, I am all week leading up to this game. I have felt like this was going to be a game in which Oregon was not going to cover. And maybe I'm just being overconfident and maybe – Go ahead. Call me a homer um, outside the box, overconfident, whatever you want to use. I think Oregon's going to cover. I I don't know why. I think Oregon's going to cover this game. Um, It's kind of been the opposite this year. When games we think Oregon's easily going to cover, we go the opposite. You know, we see the opposite happen. Oregon doesn't cover. I think everyone's saying that Oregon's not going to cover. I think Oregon's going to be told from Mario Cristobal all week that, hey, you guys – UCLA was the more physical team than we were. That's unacceptable. Uh, everyone is coming out and saying a 14-point underdog is going to hang with you guys and that it's going to be a game in which in the fourth quarter it could be either one of these teams' games. That's unacceptable. Um, I, I think we're going to see a very determined Oregon team. I think that UCLA game maybe woke things up a little bit for this team that, hey, you're not as good as you think you are yet. You still have to accomplish some things to, to be in that playoff discussion. The playoff rankings. Look, Crystal Ball says outwardly they don't care about that stuff. They keep their heads down. I guarantee for I guarantee you, Oregon saw that they're 15th and probably was pissed off that they weren't higher and that they know that if we want to make the college football playoff, we need to blow these teams out. We can't sleepwalk through games. So I, I think Oregon's going to come out and play some pissed off football Friday in Corvallis. And they're going to win this game in pretty impressive fashion. Uh, give me... Oregon 49, Oregon State 28. I guess I'm going to give him some bulletin board material here, Matt, because I'm, I'm kind of zigging where you're zagging here, and I, I don't think they are going to cover. 
Um, I think it's going to be a two-score game, but not enough to get to 14 points. I think, I think this is, I think these teams are. I mean, Oregon's more talented. No one's arguing that. I, I just think both teams have been really uneven, and that's something that Andrew Machado said as well on our show on Wednesday. Or sorry, Thursday, uh, of just like you know they've, they've 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 been up and down, and Oregon has been too. And I think this is going to be a game where we're going to see the ebbs and flow. I mean. Think about the UCLA game. Oregon seemed like they had momentum, and they gave it away, and then they took it back, and then they gave it away. I, I think it's going to be a pretty competitive game. I think there's going to be a fair amount of scoring in it as well. So give me Oregon to win 42-31 um, in a game where it's pretty close all the way through. I don't think you're sweating the last possession, but you're feeling like, gosh, I know it's a rivalry game. I know Oregon State wants this game a lot. I know it's at their place, but we should be better than this. And you come out going, okay, well, you head into the final two games against Cal and Washington, feeling like, I think they can win both of them, but I also don't feel super confident. Like, I don't know if this is going to be a season where we ever go, here we go. They've done it. They've turned the corner. Right. Um, and maybe this is that week. Maybe Matt's going to be right, and they are going to well, win pretty handily. Let me, let, me, let me say this, though. I don't think Oregon is going to ever get to that point where we think they're a playoff team. Um, I just don't think... I think Oregon's going to play more to their level of talent overall. And I think it's in, in their matchups just are difficult for Oregon state and their level of talent to compete with. I mean, we heard Angie's talk about how they can't throw the ball deep and they don't have playmakers, at, you know, game breakers at the receiver position. Um, Tristan Jibia doesn't have the arm strength to be a, a, a deep threat passing attack. Um, their, their front seven is missing their, massive defensive lineman that eats up blocks. Um, I just think when Oregon's playing at their best from a strength perspective, they're going to be very difficult to stop. I, I, I still expect Oregon State to put up a ton of yards. I mean, 28 points is a lot for an sure. Oregon defense, especially one that that can't – and then they're playing an opponent that can't really throw the ball deep. Um, so I, I, I think there's going to be concerns coming out of this game. I just don't think Oregon State's going to be able to stop Oregon. Essentially, like I, I look at this and think, okay, Oregon's going to get nine possessions. They're going to score out of seven out of nine possessions. And Oregon State's going to get nine possessions and they're going to score on half of them or a little under half of those possessions. And that's going to be the difference in the game. It's not, it's not that Oregon's playing this you know, unbelievable performance on both sides of the ball. It's more so Oregon just can't be stopped by Oregon State's defense. Yeah, I, I, I think I think I really do think we might get to the end of this season going like they never turn the corner, but just the sheer will and the sheer talent is enough for Oregon to run the table. And as we saw, I was a little I mean, maybe we should mention this really quickly before we get out. Or just a quick reaction to Tuesday's college football playoff rankings, which I know we haven't talked about on the podcast right. yet. I was a little surprised with that ranking. Fifteenth, by the way, if those who didn't see it, I'm sure those listening probably are aware. I thought they would be close to top 10. Maybe they were going to be 11 or 12. But 15 was really surprising and eye-opening to me. And I know Oregon hasn't – the best win is what? Washington State probably right now. I yeah, mean, you, and you, it's you, not the best. It's not a very good win, right? Um, at the same time, I, I think they're undefeated. A lot of the teams that are ahead of them have one or two losses. I think it's going to be a real uphill battle, like legitimately, to get in. I, I, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be tough, and I I don't think it's 
out of the, I, I, you know, I said earlier, I thought, well, there's possible, I think it's a possible way where Oregon can go six and zero and win the conference championship game and be seven and zero, and, and not look for impressive and sneak in. I don't expect that to happen now. I think Oregon has to really be impressive down the stretch this season to get into the college football playoff. And that's going to have to start this week. Um, if, if they win by the margin Matt's talking about, that might catch some eyes. That might be impressive. If they win by the margin that I'm suggesting, where it's you know 11 points, a little over two scores, I don't know what that does. So I, I think you, know, you, you see kind of the fact of the matter is here, the Pac-12 did themselves no favors. And you can argue right and wrong in terms of what the decision-making behind it was from a, you know, from a person, player safety perspective. Personally, I'm fine with what they've done. But from a competitive getting into the college playoff perspective, it's becoming very, very clear that that decision has helped nobody in the conference and basically has eliminated, regardless of how the season plays out, any team from competing as one of those four semifinalists in the college football playoff. Yeah, I don't think they make the playoff. I think they're they're too far back. But I think this game at least will pa- will, will provide some positive momentum in that direction if how I expect it to play out. Nonetheless, it's going to be fun seeing who's right. I think we both are, are expecting Oregon to win this game. Yeah. Um, both of us are expecting that this team, when you know the final drive of the game is being played, Oregon is it, it has the game and has the game wrapped up. They're not worried about losing this football game. Um, that will be sight you know for sore eyes, considering how last week went for Oregon. Um, we'll have full coverage of this game on DuckTerritory.com. Eric and I will both be at Research Stadium in Corvallis for Oregon versus Oregon State. Again, kickoff 4.30. Uh, next time you hear from us on the podcast will be a post-game edition recapping the game. Uh, be heads up ahead of time. Uh, Eric and I, because of COVID reasons, hey, things change. Our our timing of this podcast has, has to be adjusted a little bit. Um, we are having to drive home from Corvallis in separate cars, Uh and then we will record. So podcast usually goes up about hour, hour and a half after a game is over, um, two hours. It's probably going to be more like three, three or four hours until post game, you know, podcast gets up. So uh, I appreciate all the messages. Hey, where's the podcast? And it's awesome to see there's such a demand. But just as a heads up, post game podcast will come up a little bit later than normal because of COVID. Thanks, COVID. Uh, but. We'll still be there. We'll still have it. We'll have full coverage on DuckTerritory.com. So you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later, folks. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.